0: Hi, welcome back to Money with Mac and G. I'm Ben Jones, we've got a special guest today. He was actually the managing director in over 12 different countries, which is interesting for me because of my overall voyaging around the world. But he's also worked in over 50 countries, which is really exciting. He's been successful on many fronts and we'd like to explore just a little bit more about that path, which is a little winding and how he got to where he got to. Go ahead and join us today for some additional time with glenn shisha hi what's happening glenn Huh? doing great how's your day been uh, uh day's been awesome down so we in,
1: get a well, chance to spend time together yeah exactly down here in florida it's pretty yeah it's always it's awesome sunny. it's always sunny in florida
0: and um what do you call it it's always good to get some vitamin d especially back in indianapolis mm-hmm. but we got some pretty good weather back there as well but oh now, you guys can keep it love you guys 70, but you guys can keep it <laughs> 70 degrees and now you're going to be 80 mm-hmm. in just about a week which is pretty exciting but really glad to have you um you know we're doing this on location with you so the um the overall video is going to be a little bit less than what we normally see but uh i think you've just got some amazing stories you want to go ahead and dive in oh,
1: my pleasure you know you provide the wine you got the time so.
0: got the wine here baby but um you know we usually start a little bit back you know you come from the east coast um you had an interest new york ibm towns set up yeah mm-hmm. yeah interesting setup from you know when you um you were born and raised there and mm-hmm. i know you had a pretty early tragedy early on which is uh seems to be one of the things that you know touched your life and uh made you who you are part of what made you who you are
1: no, right? definitely tragedy affects you and you have to decide whether it's going to define you
0: yeah so so you you lost your dad and your brother in a plane crash
1: dad and my brother in a plane crash unexpected yeah they went to go skiing up in maine when i was about 10 or 11 years old and i was supposed to actually be on the plane but the plane was overweight so they left me behind and uh it crashed on the way back so kind of weird stuff that is so and
0: i I know how there's like pivotal times in your life which yeah. changes, and I know that a number of the podcasts that we've just recently done, it's it's been some interesting um, twists yeah. that have happened. But you know, well, you, you
1: can, grow up fast. You, you know, grow up you know, fast. Yeah. And so my take, my, mom,
0: right my mom your sister my mom
1: took it a little hard so you know I ended up having a f- few more responsibilities in the family you know and uh which is to be so. expected right I mean she yeah, lost her yeah. husband and, and her child and her child yeah so that's so so she kind of yeah it was tough so uh for her and you know you're young and so you end up being resilient and you know you, you find a way um and you know,
0: do you think that helped you as you kind of went further along like being able to get over you know tremendous adversity or
1: um well I th- what's interesting is I think it taught me a, a very early age life of service because really in our family for survival um you know, I was taking care and helping my sister, whether it's making the meals you know, making sure she did the homework and all that good stuff. And then, of course, my mom, because my mom kind of locked her in her
0: Herself room, in a room
1: for like ever, and so yeah. And how old were you
0: again? When
1: yeah, about eleven-ish like, or so. So
0: back in G are twelve, right? Yeah, I know it's kind of crazy. Imagine. My kids,
1: yeah. Well, when when you have something like that, and your kids get to be that age, mm-hmm. and what everybody who's listening on the call has had some experience where their kids get to be at an age that's equal to a milestone that you had in your life, and then it's a major reflection moment because you kind of say, "Oh God, when I was that age," yeah. you know. So, uh, so you that's were, yeah.
0: And, and you're so, looking at it from that perspective and, yeah. and you know we haven't told everybody but we did oh. do the podcast uh with your daughter Kathy. oh yeah and um you know she's 12 which is really weird because 13 t- now yeah. oh my, that's right because they're six months ahead yeah so she's 13 now but you have twin daughters mm-hmm. and i've got twin boy girls yeah. and it was funny because remember we also had um uh cheryl that had twins as mm-hmm. well so like Four of us that were over in Europe. Together. Yeah, we were all drinking the same water, obviously. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Because yeah. three of the four that were over there all had mm-hmm. twins, and so um, you're getting—they're getting to the point, where they just surpassed the point at which you know you're trying to get through this as a very young boy, and, mm. and leads you to a life of service. Which, yeah, it leads you, know, you to a life of
1: service, and so you know, maybe about because. Most of the work I do and where I always derive pleasure was helping others, you know, going into markets that hadn't seen success, helping them to get, you know, some glimmer of success, build some hope and get them to believe that they can succeed and then watching um, and supporting them as they got the success. And I was always like, okay, how was, you know where did that come from you know and, and it wasn't this mother teresa thing i think it all you know it all came yeah. from the fact that at a very early age i just identified this role of helping and supporting others and it was a continued carry on and it's so a then, little bit of a
0: void right there was a void when that happened and you had to yeah i had to fill it to keep things yeah, going i had yeah. to
1: fill it yeah we had to eat you know homework needed to be done we need to go to school so
0: because uh, you know you're you're and we'll get there but you can be a tough business businessman, but the thing that I've always seen about you is that um, sometimes, you know, people misread, read that there, you're trying to help them and, and to push them. And I've seen mm-hmm. people uh, accelerate or not accelerate, uh, succeed. Because of the fact that you've given them opportunities along the way. Because we've worked together and mm-hmm. known each other for what, how long has it been now? 20 years. 20, year, yeah, yeah 20 25 here. years. And we're still time. talking. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I still remember the first time I met you in London. I told my friends, it's like, uh, you know, they asked, hey, how did you guys meet? And I go, well, the first time I met him, he was a complete jerk for two months. And then after <laughs> that, he was like, hey. He, he was no, I funny. was the same guy. <laughs> yeah, you guys just you.
1: <laughs> figured out that, uh, I was busting your chops to to help yeah. you not to be young. There up. You go. Yeah, so. That's right. Fine.
0: But uh, so you're 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 young. You're trying to get through all of this. You're filling this void. Figure out that it's a life of service that you kind mm-hmm. of uh, um, have worked through. But um, you get to a point where you're going to college. And where'd you go to college?
1: Uh, North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Go Heels.
0: I'm letting you actually say that. Yep. Yep. I know, okay. I gotta man, get these. Got yeah. Too. yeah, yeah. And um, so you go there, and I know you're a. Any year we fan. beat Duke is a good year. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and so you go to uh, North Carolina, you graduate, mm-hmm. and um, and then what? You know what? Um you get out of school and I think you get some pretty interesting jobs right after getting out of school, right?
1: Yeah, it's been some really great adventures. So, um, I started out for about a year and a half working for a, a holding company that w- had a lot of money and it was very, very interesting because they, uh, they were looking to consolidate, um, some fragmented industries. And so we were going out and buying brands and basically buying them for their customer basis and looking to close down the plants to find a efficiency and profitability on these 100-year-old businesses and stuff. Wow. Um, which, quite honestly, uh, was really super heavy for, like, a 20-some-odd-year-old. You're going in, you're meeting this plant manager who's been working there for, like, 25 years, but you know your organization is wanting to close it down, and you're going in to survey where this all, this production could, um, could is be moved. That has got to be a tremendous, yeah. like, and so,
0: stress, but, like, that burden you said was heavy. And yeah. And that's, like, a
1: great... And so that was... You know, I looked and I said, you know, I don't want to do that for a living. You know,
0: did you know what you wanted to do when fun. you got out of school? Like you, you got that job, but did, were you thinking, oh, I want to, I want to do that. I want to consolidate, well, you know, businesses or what, what, what Well, it was really of- interesting. Well, it. it it was really interesting because I had this
1: entrepreneurial experience that I had a memorabilia business, sports memorabilia business, you know, baseball cards, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> which in is all cool high now, school. right? Yeah. And that time it was cool again. Everything <laughs> in between kind of really sucked. Um, but, you know, I made quite a bit of money on that, put myself through college, which was fantastic. Had a lot in the bank, a nice car, you know, from all that. And I, our family was kind of a humble, you know. So you're talking so. tens
0: of thousands of dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. So
1: like we did real. School, so.
0: car, everything yeah i had a few
1: people working
0: with me and we'd
1: set up at the shows you know and um do pretty well so that's that was kind of neat but i i knew you know towards the end of college you could just see the curve of that industry and everyone thought oh i was going to open up a card shop and do this and do that and i was like no no i just see the trend lines on this thing and so, you're a thinker, just so to you're like strategic yeah strategic, yes. so so yeah i i like to look at things at about 30 you know that thirty thousand feet and kind of see where where everything's playing. But I think with my strength is that I can also get into the trenches. I was
0: gonna say that's the amazing part
1: of it. And so I I can kind of wear those those dual hats at the same time and keep juggling uh, both of them. And so that was it. And, you know, I knew that industry was going to be very short lived. It was just showing signs. And so I decided and I basically blew out everything I owned just about as much as I could and moved on. And, and blew out, you mean you like sold? Sold. Yeah. Sold, sold, sold. And sure enough, about a year and a half, it all crashed after that. So, um,
0: so you're, but you're really an entrepreneur at heart, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause every time I've seen you, you've go and you have a corporate job, yeah. but you've been like totally separated from corporate and you're doing your own Mm -hmm. thing and you're kind
1: of running. Well, A lot of people started to interrupt, but a lot of people think an entrepreneur is having their own business and stuff like that. Um, And I love that. And I'll be be honest, I prefer that environment. It's much more rewarding and you have more control, but you can be an entrepreneur within an organization within a big company. And a lot of people don't realize that just because you're working for a big corporation doesn't mean you can't have creativity freedom um and feel and have ownership because uh, that's what a company wants and every company would dream to have employees that have ownership of what they're working on and what they do
0: and i think that's a, a beautiful point because you get the opportunity to um kind of test your chops and to build them because you're using other people's money
1: yeah make mistakes on other people's money that's beautiful but yeah.
0: but i i can i can remember the same thing is that if you're a person that likes to 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 actually get things done you're creative in the way that you look at things that you bring up new ideas um normally most companies 100 love that they're just like because they're trying to grow and they can't always grow by just mm-hmm. expanding what they currently have. They got to yeah. come up with new ideas. Yeah. And I always, that's the one thing I always appreciated about you, you looked at everything so differently from a strategic perspective mm-hmm. that was just so different than.
1: And I think I, in, in my career, I've been really fortunate, whether it's been at Disney or Tupperware or wherever else, is that there were a lot of people in the organizations that tried to play it safe, keep it secure. They didn't want to lose a job. Yeah. And I was exceptionally rewarded for taking risk within an organization. Right. Um, and that has, that's credit to the leadership um, because the leadership in the organization re- saw that, rewarded it, and not only rewarded it, they fueled it
0: embraced um, it
1: embraced it encouraged it. you and that's where you saw at those times that those were occurring in those organizations they were getting great success because of that absolutely could, and it wasn't it. just me it's just numerous yeah. you know and and as long as those people were rewarded to take risks to try new things to think out of the box and to to give things to try and either succeed or fail and not get punished for failure but get rewarded uh, rewarded for, rewarded for, for learning um, and doing something better the next time. Yeah, that was that was
0: a lot of fun. Because I remember when we were in Europe, I mean, the same people, I like to see the same people because they were just so, um, what do you call it? They just brought up your level of creativity and mm-hmm. everything. You were one of them. I always loved Guillermo on mm-hmm. in Spain. And then you had other people in different directions. He, he's
1: living a tough life right now yeah, in the Canary, Canary Islands.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he's having a great time. But from your perspective, though, can you tell us a little bit more about Disney? Everybody's always fascinated with Disney. And mm-hmm. I think you've got some very good insights um you're living down here in orlando yeah right and you you've been able to be exposed to disney for years and yeah. um and then you had this job coming out it was after your mba right
1: uh no before my mba actually okay. so um after i finished up with this heavy stuff and I decided I just wanted to change. I actually went out, drove out to the West Coast, and was fortunate enough to get a job with Disney uh, in their headquarters. So hold on a second.
0: So you got this other job after undergrad?
1: Undergrad. Did it you for about a, a year. year and a year or so, and there were some funky things that were going on there. And again, you, strategically, I just thought, you know. I didn't like the direction they were going. I don't think they were, in my opinion, that organization was was making decisions for the long term as compared to not the a cultural church. Not
0: fit for yeah. the values in your life.
1: Exactly. So you're there so. for a
0: year, year and a half, and then you said, hey, I want to try something else. And, 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 and this is one of the things to stress because you're not going to die by going out mm-hmm. to California, right? And you took this risk because yep. people see it as a risk. And what we're trying to encourage people is, hey.
1: And everybody in their 20s. You can do those and you can do those over and over and you can do those and screw up five times and still get on the right track and, and race forward and have a great life. Absolutely. So, you know, it's the ones that are too afraid to do that, which is the shame because they just the miss out. Could have, should have. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's
0: exactly. kind of terrible. Yeah. So you get in your car and you're going to California. Yeah,
1: packed up my Toyota Camry and why nice. a Toyota Camry? Because that, that car I told you I had, which I was so proud of, the Pontiac Firebird that I bought brand new with <laughs> the, the so spark. Good. That darn thing didn't work one single day. It was winking at me because one of the lights was up and one of the lights Was always down they could never fix that thing so my next car i said i don't care how it looks or what it does i had the what i thought was the cool one in high school i just wanted to run reliable and to run and so hence toyota camry any problems driving
0: across the
1: country no problems driving across the country you know those were the old days that you know you had your books on tape yes (laughs) tape. (laughs) the original audible the The original audible you stuck your cassettes in there (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> you just listen all the way out. There. and yeah, Do you remember there. which book you actually listened to on the way out? They there?
1: were all mysteries. All mysteries. They had to be mysteries I love because when you're driving, the suspense kept you awake. Yes. 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 Yeah. And so you're and you, doing it. You're this. paying you attention. drive through all night? What'd you do? Oh, well, it was like a two or three day drive. So I would yeah. go, I don't know, 15, 20 hours. And then when I was ready to crash, whatever Motel 6 was nearby, you okay. know, you pulled in, you worried a little bit because your car's like completely <laughs> packed. You can't see through the back window. Did I retell yeah. the
0: story when I sold my motorcycle and I had like 25 grand and um i kind of put it down my pants so nobody would steal it
1: <laughs> nobody it, would see it <laughs> but we won't get into that no, yeah really yes, that's your that's your so personal sorry about california. that yeah. yeah
0: i mean, to digress back there uh, so you're going to california so i drove all the
1: all the way out until i hit the beach yeah. and uh and you love the beach just by yeah. listening i found this little place and uh i found a room with a bunch of uh um roommates in Manhattan beach and um was there and then about two weeks later i ended up with a job over at disney up in burbank at the headquarters so and so um, what
0: were you you were, were you drawing animating stuff what were you doing
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um yeah business so yeah i but... started yep business background strong finance accounting so i started out in audit with them right and so we did anything from compliance audits with the disney channel to production audits things like that so started out with that and i ended up before i left running the dallas and uh Dallas and Los Angeles um We're, audit group so but, that kept me busy but but the interesting
0: um, part though is what is compliance audit I, I know what they yeah. are but what is a compliance audit and what is a uh operational audit uh, production personal? audit production
1: yeah. audit Yeah well uh production audit you know you've got a TV show or a movie and it's got a budget and
0: that you know you can mention that No
1: no <laughs> oh, not, not that you can mention or not, not that you remember not that I can mention so <laughs> okay. yeah um so you know and um they've got a budget and they're uh, looking at the, where the money's spent and, and you know and reviewing it all to make sure they're hitting budget and then seeing you know the which is really true and air conditioned <laughs> doghouse for his poodle on set and, and having to like say well i'm not quite sure that was really in the budget and maybe shouldn't be paid for by you know um, so that was that and then on compliance audit you had to um, We had a lot of contracts, whether it was licensing for wherever you saw the Disney logo. But mainly what we spent most of our time on was cable. The Disney Channel was a pay service at that time.
0: So licensing, though, for people that don't know, is you give someone the right to sell, like Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck or whatever. To put... To put it on the a t-shirt. Disney image
1: on a t shirt or whatever else. And they have to pay for that. And they have to pay, let's say, 10 or 11%. And all the companies have license, all the characters and stuff have licensing agreements. And then, of course, they have minimum volumes as well because Disney's not just going to let me. Yeah. You know, sell five T-shirts and pay them eight So it bucks. has to be big
0: enough. So, so like 100000 100, Yeah, exactly. So that they know yeah. that they're going to get. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so you're doing this in the compliance audits, you know, when Disney was paid for as a separate channel, which, you know, for people listening, it could be Disney Plus, right? Well, yep. But it's a little bit different back then.
1: Because um, back then it was like HBO and everything. It was a yeah. separate channel. It was not a part of your basic service. And so people had to sign up and pay nine ninety five. And
0: so the cable operators who dispersed mm-hmm. the channels to the households in their area they would charge for the Disney channel and then they would actually pay money back to Disney on an honor on an honor system on an honor system that is where the problem comes in
1: and so in order to keep people honest you
0: go around and you go
1: around and you know do some friendly audits just to keep checking to help keep people honest. it's very similar to where to an industry right now is um, well pre-COVID was um, the movie theaters, because the movie theaters pay a percentage of revenue. That's how they work with the studios.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. So
1: it, they pay a percentage. Well, of, I knew
0: that, yeah. that they paid a percentage, but I didn't know it was kind of on the honor system. But
1: So they pay, well, it has to be pay some percentage of your revenue. They may submit a billing system, but who says it's the right billing system, right. the real billing system? Oh, yeah, so yeah, then yeah. you have to right. have your, your people come in meet and number one you have to check the billing system but because there may be two or three billing systems you have to talk (laughs) with them you have to go through their promotional material to see what's really happening there and to make sure everything's being captured right you know but i
0: love the story when you said hey you know sometimes they offer like hey we're gonna give you showtime and the disney channel right but well, let's do
1: the good one because I mean, I've actually women. seen that and I, you know, and I can say it because I don't work for them. The, at the time, yeah. Disney, Showtime, HBO. HBO, Playboy Channel were all a part of, um, you know, the, the page services. Yeah, yeah. And they had this promotion that for $9.99, choose your ears. And it was a print ad that showed the Playboy Channel. You know, the bunny ears, Playboy Channel and Disney Channel. Oh, no. And they let them choose their ears. Or you could have both ears. (laughs) okay the naughty and nice yeah uh for like 12.99 nice. okay and then first off there was a rule in disney that maybe we should not be showing up in in the, in the same, same
0: ad. and i
1: get it you know
0: well we deal dealt with this a couple and they are really strict on some of their yeah, stuff.
1: yeah it's like and okay this will probably get added out too. but you know in that age when disney was licensing everything i think there was even mickey and toilet paper now just think, did do, do yeah. did Walt really <laughs> want that toilet paper to be used? You know, <laughs> so um, uh, I got a lot of jokes, but I got to keep those. Yeah, we got to so, keep uh, those. So, so, so you're
0: doing compliance
1: audits, doing all that sort of stuff, which is I fine. Guess,
0: I guess my my point with with that is, you had two channels that you could pick, like two channels for twelve ninety nine or whatever a month, and. They would allocate a lesser amount to Disney instead of like right down the middle. Mm-hmm. So because they owe Disney higher licensing fees or mm-hmm. higher fees for their content. So yeah. you would audit that and that would be like, oh, you can't do that. You yeah. So, so if, if each one was
1: $10, maybe Playboy they had to pay $1 to. Yes. And Disney they would have to pay 50%. Right. Okay. But when they sold these two combined for $12, they would run Playboy at $10. Right. So they paid $1 there. And then they'd run Disney at $2. would
0: be $1 there. as well. And
1: we'd have to go back and see, well, no, maybe it's like $6, $6 yeah, each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then let, let's work off of that number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you got hundreds of thousands of subscribers, that number is. Yeah. Big, yeah. Big. And sometimes it was just innocent and sometimes it was smart. Disney- <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did you ever have to turn off uh channel? Yeah, we
1: always joked about that. And uh so, you know, because sometimes you know the the um the cable operator would would start to not not be very happy, you know, that he owes us like 2 or 300,000. Yes. And we're Disney, so we can't really get two hard or too tough with threatening legal. You don't want right. to behave like that. But at the same time, you, you, you want your money, you want what's fair, you know, cause that's what the world is always about, what's fair, you know. And um, and so, you know, there there's a couple of stories where, you know, you're talking to these cable operators and you have to realize one thing, Disney is tremendously powerful because it's not just a service for your kid. It is your child's babysitter. Yes, it is. Okay. And we, so, we fell
0: into that. <laughs> so
1: if, if, if you cut HBO, or you cut playboy like we were talking it's about okay it, it they find a way to to get that would get whatever they want and they need you cut disney within you know if the disney signal goes off within about five minutes your phones are just inundated You're like, what the hell's going calls. on you know <laughs> <laughs> so oh, yeah. so yeah you just sit there and sometimes if it was getting really bad you just say okay listen you owe me so much you owe me so much I got my hand on the button. I'm going to have to cut your service. If we don't see a check set, you know, by this time, I'm going to have to cut your service. And then you start calling him and say, okay, I'm looking at the button right now. And he's like, no, no, don't press it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that could be just so powerful so, because a lot of people don't, uh, I, I know the the mothers and fathers who are listening, they're going to completely understand, yeah. you know, you, you cut it and you had cable and uh-huh. you see it, but now, you know, with the internet. And of course, they blame
1: it on us. You cut it, the guy like sends you a wire in 10 minutes and, you, yeah. uh, and his calls, and says, oh, we don't know what's wrong with Disney, you know, we're working <laughs> on
0: it. Exactly. So, so you had a really good experience at Disney. Yeah, could, so
1: it was a phenomenal probably, experience. Probably
0: found out like, like tight, tight ways to... Um, you know, to market and advertise, you found out a very um, set up way that they do things. Like you learned a whole bunch of constructs or frameworks on how to do things. You probably learned a ton
1: of Well, it was really interesting because I spent a lot of time with cable and that was a very, at that time, cable was very fragmented industry. Yes. So it was ma, creative entrepreneurial mom and pops everywhere in every little town having their own cable business, right. you know, and you go out and meet them. And, you know, the first thing you did when you went was to really build relationships because... Relationships help you to empathize. It also helps you to leverage. So right. um, so you build relationships and you hear all their stories. And every single one of them had these great stories about living their dreams. And it was really awesome. Um, but also you saw this industry and it was completely fragmented. And you saw people like John Malone um, who ran, and you guys can Google him, phenomenal guy. Um, he ran uh, Cablevision Systems, I believe, or Cablevision industries or whatever okay. it's called and that's part of what he did his view his vision for cable was that it was going to be like cars and everything else are going to be like three, four, five massive operators really that cool. were going to, and so there became this while we were there you know it became this huge um dramatic move from him to buy up and everyone scrambling to buy up all these little operators right um and in the consolidation of
0: businesses and the consolidation a it's a
1: huge because market
0: individually let's say you have 50 of them mm-hmm. individually they're worth a million dollars a pop that's 50 million but if you can consolidate meaning you can acquire all of them and then have a whole bunch of leverage yep. or power that hey i i own half of the state of california for comcast that turns from 50 million to maybe say what 400 million well million?
1: because what ends up happening is if you've got 50 little uh cable networks in every city you have 50 accountants yes. you have 50 lines people you have 50 marketing people ad you have 50, people admin people and through the consolidation you get com- tremendous efficiency which all goes to the bottom line right. and if it goes to the bottom line your value of your company which is a multiple of your bottom line Goes it, up tremendously, exactly. and that's how you. Cre- that's how a lot of these companies, through consolidation, can create value. Absolutely.
0: So you learned a ton at Sunflower. Yeah. Place.
1: So it's really interesting, really fascinating. Absolutely. And then. And, um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and so there was a lot of opportunity for creativity there. Um, I mean, I think my claim to fame moment was. Oh, uh, hear this. <laughs> you never we said this. <laughs> we were right. Uh, so we used to go onto the lot for lunch, but okay. we were also, because I don't know, as a funny agreement, we could go on to the Warner Brothers lot. Oh, cool. And eat lunch there. Nice. And I'll never forget me and my friends going over to the Warner lot, eating lunch there, and like three tables down is Michelle Pfeiffer in her cat outfit from, oh, yeah. from Batman. Yes, okay, yes, um, let's all take a moment of breather here. <sighs> So, okay yeah 23 year old <laughs> and i was not good with the ladies so that was quite a moment for me um, i've seen it so um so anyway so that was really fabulous really and cool experience really great really experience me. and as i was trying to figure out you know next steps i was being groomed in that channel and in quite honestly i wanted a bit more of an entrepreneurial opportunity i love sales marketing people And I wanted to start moving out of finance and accounting. And so I was trying to figure out how to do that. One of the best ways to do that Mm -hmm. is to hit a reset. And you can hit a reset by going and reinventing yourself with graduate school. So I decided I wanted to go get my MBA. Right. And, um, and where'd you go? And well, what was interesting is Disney got me into the executive program at UCLA and they were actually paid for it. And I was there signed up. But, uh, but the problem there were two problems there. First off um, was that I would have to sign an agreement for, I think, about three years. That th- It was a three-year program. And then I w- wasn't allowed to leave Disney for three years. So that was about a six-year commitment. Yes. And, and, you know, like many things in life eh, a little bit of commitment issues that was quite (laughs) quite a long time for a 22 year old yeah i am a guy 23 year old you know so uh so that was issue number one and issue number two was that i was in this finance audit it would all it would do within this organization would probably put me in deeper and it would be really hard to make a pivot over into a sales marketing leadership and role finance yeah. particularly exactly like, wait a minute you're an county
0: finance guy. exactly no sales marketing.
1: so um so that was kind of a free ride and that was really hard to turn up but
0: uh but you did and what did
1: you did so i went back to carolina because you know i'm carolina blue um it worked for me undergrad. I loved that it there it was a great environment. I knew a lot of the teachers, I admire the place. And I thought, okay, that system worked for me, why take a chance at some right. other place, you know, um, I did have another choice that I wanted to go, but I didn't do yeah, uh, They didn't believe how serious I was because I didn't do a uh, site visit. My little lesson for everybody is when you go to an MBA, you got to show up for a day and do a site visit <laughs> and show you're serious. Because <laughs> I really wanted to go to UVA in Charlottesville and uh, really? didn't do a site visit. that was the only place I got um, but, but the interesting
0: um, part is nowadays, you know, a lot of this MBA and, you know, subsequent college, you know, it's a little bit in question, a little bit up in the air and uh, yeah. uh, people need to really look at it. But if you are thinking about going back to get your MBA, yeah, definitely,
1: it's an investment it's definitely, you know, and it's something to consider. And of course, Carolina was one of the more inexpensive. So I didn't get out with a lot of debt that was highly influential. Right. When you start looking at things like a few of the others, Northwestern and stuff, you, you know, you start out with a higher salary, but boy, you're you really bogged down with debt. And that was important to me. Part of my DNA is yeah. I don't like to owe anybody, you know, I and was a saver, you know, and me too. And so I it
0: worked. Chicago paid for it.
1: Though. So, so um, it was a little bit different. Yeah. So I went to Carolina, I always dreamed about doing something internationally. It was just always a a fascinating dream of mine. And Carolina had an international program. Um, I dove in at the very beginning into into marketing, entrepreneurship, and international. And that's where I focused. I say
0: it's crazy just because I've known you, and I've only known you from an international mm-hmm. perspective and crossing yeah. like lines with you in Orlando and Germany and UK and all these other places. And then to hear you say, I wanted to go international. Yeah.
1: And that <laughs> was my dream. But well, the, well, the too. thing is, I mean, because everybody knows my history now, I didn't get on a damn plane until I was like 19 years old. Oh, I was older than that. I was you know, 20, what was like 25? I was 19 years old. My friend um, had a second house in... Um, in St. Croix, which was bigger than my
0: first house. <laughs> in Croix, <Saint-Croix, laughs> oh my gosh.
1: And I remember, and of course it was Pan Am at the time, because Pan Am was still in business. And, and I Pick got me it, if you
0: can.
1: And, uh, I got to the airport and um, I'm expecting this jet because I've made it in my mind. It's my first flight. <laughs> I know the history of our family with planes. And oh I'm thinking no. this big jet and this thing's like a like a, a 16, a little, puddle seat, hopper. A little puddle hopper. And I'm just like going, oh, God, oh, God, can I get on this thing? So I'm, <laughs> and I'm not I wasn't. Well, I, I was much of a drinker. I can't say why. So I went to the bar, had about two or three screwdrivers and said, OK, if it happens, it happens. I'm getting on this thing now. So, you, yeah. I know, so you figure out how to overcome your fear. Sometimes you need a little help. And mine was Smirnoff. Um, <laughs> That's right. So how you started. So I had when never you, really been on and stuff but I have just I always had this dream of seeing the world and Me I too. wanted an opportunity to do that so um so where did you start
0: because you go back to get your MBA from
1: uh, got, got my MBA I did a summer intern a long summer internship in Thailand which was fantastic so it was about um, two three months in Thailand and that's a little um, bit
0: shocking because for a lot of people you know Europe is kind of the first step before you go to Asia, Africa, or otherwise, Europe is the easiest way to make the jump. And for me, that's where I had to go because it was too shocking for me, Mm -hmm. but go ahead.
1: So I went to Thailand, worked an internship for uh, an investment, kind of investment banking firm. And um, so we were looking at proposals every single day about casinos casinos in Cambodia on some famous waterfalls there they, uh, we were doing uh the first golf course in um uh Vietnam in uh, the capital um of North Vietnam we were you know and, and our strategy was to uh, to find jobs and pair it up with Singaporean money so you know and that was really interesting very exciting it was kind of like 24 7 work you know you worked until two or three in the morning you you young but
0: big deal. two or three flow. hours
1: of sleep you know you take a shower take a red bull and you go right back
0: at it so. but you're looking at like deal flow but you're also doing the accounting and finance thing yeah. you're looking at the numbers to make sure that they make sense
1: but a lot of it, you're also, they, there wasn't a lot of experience there on, on pitch books and stuff. So you're helping them to build the financials, wow. the p ls okay. you know, so you're, you're going in a little digger, deeper than just, you know, uh, reviewing, reviewing, reviewing things. So so that was kind of fun and exciting, gave you that taste and that feeling. You know, whenever we had a day off or two days off,
0: we'd try and explore
1: somewhere, you know, head so up to Chiang Mai.
0: What? Were you hooked then? Yeah. And you're heading up to Chiang Mai or wherever this place yeah. is. Were you like hooked on travel then? Or- oh yeah,
1: so that was like, yeah, this was right. This, is, I, I am on, this is what I wanna do. I wanna experience other cultures you know I want to eat other food you know all these international foods I want to get the bad stomachs from eating the wrong stuff and learn from my mistakes so Zantac I should highly tell you Zantac <laughs> was my friend some people take multivitamins in the morning we all took we all took huge doses I always of had Zantac a Cipro with me yeah. just in case so, I got any
0: like bugs in me yeah. that would clean me out by the I right, France that uh, was the miracle cure wow. cream sauces blue Smith
1: cheese. Klein Glaxo Glaxo. Oh. Well, it used to be Glaxo. Now it's good. Oh man, they they, they seriously impacted my world. So I am grateful <laughs> to them.
0: <laughs> you have to use that Disney toilet paper. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I I but it was great though because everybody had their fallback as far as like what medications yeah. they took with with them. And yeah. I always had mine. I can't even remember what it was. Tums always worked. Really me.
1: So I came back totally focused on that. My uh, my second year in graduate school and. Um, I was going international, period, period. No no doubt about it. Um, I actually, you don't even know this. I actually got an, I had two jobs coming out. One was with the Bulgarian-American Fund, and it was a $25 million fund sponsored by the U.S. government to help in Bulgaria. Oh, that sounds kind Um, of cool. It was kind of like the Peace Corps for MBA. So sure. you, it was it was playing in. I got my international. I got to help people. And what you were doing was you had funds and you were trying to help local companies there convert from a communist mindset and structure of business to uh, capital. Yeah. So it sounded really cool, really awesome. You you were getting paid like, I think it was like the they were giving you housing <laughs> and like 250 a month for like oh, two years or something. And you were... which. I didn't care about the money. But it just were, sounded like uh, really learning. awesome. I was spiked. It was everything I wanted to do, you know. So I was really close to doing that. And the other was American Airlines because they owned Sabre System at the time. And... Sabre
0: System? Is that the... Re, uh, not Sa- the recruiting sorry. Sabre
1: uh, System is system? the... Like, yeah, the first really super kick butt uh, reservation system. And they that. actually spun it off and they were looking to go to Asia and like start up in China. And there was a whole team that I could get involved in and do that. So that hmm. was really exciting as well. And um, so I was kind of fighting between, struggling between those two. At the same time, again, you know, it's this life of service because my dad had passed away. My grandmother, who was about 90 years old at the time, I was kind of her guardian. So I was taking care of her and, you know, keeping an eye on her. Um, And um, I was really struggling between following my dreams and respecting what i promised my grandfather on his deathbed that I, on take, that I would take take care of my grandmother so um so and i was trying to figure out how i could do that from 10 12 times in way in asia you know europe is is a puddle jump but Asia right, right. was something else so and um so i was struggling with trying to make a decision there i got a call i was very good friends with the people at career placement i got a call that they had an opening on uh, one of their interview lists for the day and it looks really bad when a school can't fill up all the slots, I completely so agree. and they were like, "Oh, you interview well, you know, go ahead." And I'm like, "You know, I don't have time for this, but if you give me a buck for a beer, because beers were a buck <laughs> a piece, that I thought for for a buck I could put on a show for um, an hour." Sure, you could
0: just go in and do it. You're But a so. so um,
1: so, yeah, it turned out it was Tupperware, direct selling, what the heck do I know about direct selling? It's a it's a woman's business and sure I only grew up around women, uh, but that's <laughs> and the And you ex- liked women. That I, that was, exactly. That was the extent. I, I liked women, but I couldn't seem to get them to like me, like this is going to really work. Um, you know, and I, I didn't know jacket and anything about all that. So, so
0: what made you think that so, that was even interesting at all? Because the very thing- there, There's nothing interesting
1: day. about it, but a bucks of beer. <laughs> so. I so you go there on a fluke so I show up at the interview room it's you know it's on campus so show up on the interview room and I meet this lady Jennifer uh um I think she's working at Verizon now in West Palm. anyway. Great lady. Uh from did Aust- I know Jennifer? Yeah, Jennifer Maline. Sorry. Oh, I, yeah, uh, yeah. Jennifer yeah, Maline yeah. came to interview yeah, me on campus she's awesome from uh Australia, yeah. New Zealand, sorry. Um <laughs> <laughs> and the Australians are going to yeah. New Zealand's going to be pissing yeah, me cuz I almost said <laughs> the same thing but yeah, I did. Exactly. But I was thinking it. Um <laughs> So, um, so she came in and, and, you know, when you go through all of those interviews and and I actually had my wall of shame, I should tell you, because I was an interview. (laughs) I just, I had every rejection letter up on the wall. I have a photograph of like 50 rejection letters up on the wall that I put up on. And my goal was to actually get as many as I could, you know, so, uh, you gotta
0: get through nine no's before you get through. Exactly. (laughs) So
1: you just keep going in, but a lot of them were trained recruiters. And so, you know, it was a cookie cutter approach. And I just couldn't fit into that with my entrepreneurial sense and my creativity and fitting into those structures. So I met her and we had a great conversation. And I was like, wow, she was pretty cool. Um, And then I get this call that they want me to come down to
0: Orlando to meet with Make sure to come back next week as we finish our discussion in our limited series about successful individuals telling their stories in their own words.